Look out for your friends when they got a knife. It's the Review of New Podcast. I'm your host, DJ. I'm your host, Evan. And this is the podcast where we typically look back at the filmographies of the uh, movie makers that we grew up with as uh, fans of and analyze their works as adults. But today we have a special request from Dr. Goatman, a commonly recognized name around these parts. We appreciate their contribution so much. They've done a lot of like going out podcast requests and stuff. So they, yeah, it's like, oh, Dr. Goatman, yeah. their name keeps coming up. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Goatman. Yeah. I love this movie. And today we are looking at Knives Out, the big feature film from Ryan Johnson, the uh, person who had directed, I believe it was, was it the, was it the first two Star Wars movies? And then he, and then things happened, got fuzzy in between the second one? Because I, I think I was having a conversation with someone recently about how, like, the first one was interesting, and they're like, oh, it set up a lot of ideas, like, it's mirroring stuff within, like, the franchise before, uh, but it's setting up, like, possibilities for differences, like, for example, like, the idea of, like, oh, like, what is a race lineage, you know? And then, so that, in the second movie... I'm sorry, we're randomly going into no, Star Wars. <laughs> it, it took me so long to realize that Ryan Johnson's name was pronounced Ryan. I thought it was Rianne. Ah. I didn't realize that... I think I thought that was a woman for a while because it looked like Rianne, like Rihanna or something. So it's Ryan with an I. Ryan Johnson, who had done uh, the first Star Wars movie. and Oh yeah, the thing that I was bitching about was that he had set up something in the second one. If if you don't want to be spoiled by this big franchise that had come out that everyone has basically clowned on since the third movie, uh, I guess you could fast forward. But yeah, in the second one, the idea was that like he had had these ideas that was kind of like, oh, you know, the idea of, in the original trilogy, their lineage meant something and that he was related, the protagonist was related to the character. And in the uh, new trilogy that they're doing now, the idea that they were setting up was that Oh, what if Ray, the main character that we're supposed to be invested in, isn't related to anybody and their lineage doesn't matter and that's not the point, right? Like mm-hmm. and then by nature of how like they were kind of like resp- Disney and whatnot and the machine or whatever was responding to people getting angry, they were like, Why are you doing things differently? Blah, 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 you know. And you know, I mean we could say about like you know, it does feel like they were kind of overly comically silly at points with Ryan Johnson style or whatever but like I do feel like it was like it was at least someone's like decisions and directions as like an artist right like mm-hmm. like this is me like kind of going back and just like talking about like well, and and to be fair like so I'm not a Star Wars fan so I have like very little like strong opinions about no, Star Wars but really? as, as a storytelling thing I'm like as a nerd who presumably has parents who are not like you know, legendary knights or whatever. Like, mm. I, like, don't you think that, hey, this random person could be a hero, this random right. person can be special without having to be like, oh, but her grandfather is secretly, you know, blah, blah, See, blah. See, and like, that's the thing. When it came to their movie, it re- it, it seemed, it clearly seemed to retcon the idea Which of how also, the movie like, the oh, I mean, plot somebody was going. Yeah, Somebody and see that's the thing, and it's clearly like a, no. they don't, weren't trying to honestly <laughs> think of the plot. It was just sort of like a how can we, you know, move this plot element around to make and this plot like, make sense? Who you know? cares? 
who cares? Like, oh, my grandfather was so, like, and Mm. I feel like it's also something they do to female characters a lot, where Mm. it's, like, any female character, it has to be, like, oh, well, my father did, you know, there's a TV tropes Mm. trope that female success is family. Right, there's an importance to lineage. Any, like, female character who's a badass must have, like, a father or grandfather who, who, like, was, Mm. taught her everything, yeah. Yeah, Which, who can vouch for the badassery? Like, right, right? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, don't come for me about Star Wars. I don't have any strong opinions about Star Wars. I will not fight with anybody about Star Wars. Okay, and that's the thing. Like, I also don't, like, have, like, particularly strong feelings about Star Wars. I think of it as, like, a movie like any other 80s Mm -hmm. movies that was cool that came out. Like, for me, like, Back to the Future is, like, the, oh, my God, awesome movie. But, um, but, like, Star Wars is, like, yeah, you know, it's, like, it's a movie that came out Mm -hmm. in the 80s that's got, like, oh, yeah, it became a trilogy. But, like, you know, when I would watch Robot Chicken, I would see, like, so many specials about Star Wars. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, oh, my God. God, it's not that Star Wars ain't that I feel like I'm fucking Lucy I'm like Star Wars ain't that great like you know what I mean but you know whatever you know I think his company is bought by uh, Disney now so you know you know what's on the bread and butter now Disney just just is like the blob and just absorbs it oh speaking of spoilers like this Yes. Okay, so I feel like very often you can hear spoilers about something and still enjoy it. This movie, you really, really, really want to just see it without knowing too much about it. Mm -hmm. Like, really, like, you should know as little as possible going into this movie. So if you haven't seen it and you're still listening, stop. Like, right now. Yeah. Because we're going to ruin it. Sorry, as the person who just spoiled the Star Wars movies. Well, (laughs) that's that's Star Wars. Like, you're not watching... Like, I feel like Star Wars is... true, though, yeah. But no. It's about the adventure and the thrill ride of Star Wars. This is about... This this is is a whodunit. This is a mystery. Yes. And if you go in knowing about it, it's going to ruin a lot. Now, I will say, though, like... This is my. It's third. not a typical mystery. Like it's, right? it's special, and this was my first. So this is your official. Go away. Go away if you haven't seen. Hey, it. Yeah, okay. yeah. You really should uh, watch it. But and but, then come back and revel in the commentary and the the dishing we will do about yeah. the plot the elements. This, I, and I will say, <laughs> even though I think you need to see it for the first time unspoiled, this was my third time watching it, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. The first time I saw it in theaters. The second time I rewatched it, maybe a year ago, just because I wanted to, which I don't do that often. I literally mm. was like, I just want to watch this movie because I like it. Um, mm. And and then this was, I think, the third time watching it, and it really is very rewatchable because you will catch a lot of things that you didn't catch the first couple times. Very much so. Um, so I have this just, like, gigantic <laughs> list of all the little clues and red herrings. I, and... I actually, like, I watched... So typically, you know, when, when I get the request, I like to watch the movie two times. But this is such an interesting movie where it was just like, I watched it a long time ago, like, so I already know what the basic plot was. And then just watching it the second time... Where, like, you know, recently I was, like, trying to do the watching it twice thing, but I was thinking, like, well, it's kind of a whodunit, so, like, do you really need to watch it? And then just as I was watching it, I was so, like, keyed into like, yeah. writing down the things that are, like, I thought, because, you know, it's that thing where when you watch it again, but you hadn't watched it in a while, you when, when you hit that sweet spot where you're, like, you know the basic way it lays out, but then you're, like, wait, what are the specific, lo- oh, and that's what pays off to that, now that I know that, yeah, and that's what yeah, pay- yeah, like, yeah. it's having that experience where, yeah. like, when you haven't watched it in a while, and then coming back and being like, oh, but that's how it all connects. I see you, yeah. sly dog. <laughs> you I had the interesting experience of I watched it a couple, uh, a few nights ago and took really extensive notes. And then the next night, my wife was watching The Man Who 
fell to earth, the David Bowie movie where he's an alien. And I was sitting there kind of half watching The Man Who Fell to Earth while compiling my notes on Knives Out. And The Man Who Fell to Earth is a weird movie. No doubt. We won't spend too much time talking about that, obviously, but it is very, there's a lot of like weird 70s alien sex and, uh, and that's what I was watching. sci-fi is weird in general. It's super weird. Um, so I want to spend a, a real quick moment to touch on why, at least in my opinion, the movie is so rewatchable. Mm. And the second time I watched it, I specifically wanted to watch it because I was like, I was not feeling great. And I was like, I need something that will make me feel good and be cozy. And it is, this is, a, Knives Out is squarely in the genre of cozy mystery. And I want to touch on that because that is something that um, it's it's known as a term in the literary world, um, mm. specifically in terms of like book marketing. But it's a cozy mystery, and I and there are several reasons why it is. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a cozy mystery. So a cozy mystery basically is a it's the lightest type of mystery. Uh-huh. It is set in a. Uh, setting is really big it's got to be a cozy appealing setting and this movie is set in a big spooky house in what appears to be autumn or possibly early spring um everybody's wearing big sweaters it's a nice wealthy (laughs) you know affluent you know Well, it's not it's not just the affluence um Mm. although that's that's part of it but it's not necessarily about luxury because like you know, if you're at a beach resort, that's not cozy. Like, if you're at, like, a tropical mm. beach resort, that's not cozy. If you're at a New England seaside town, that's, like, I feel like it has to be chilly weather because you need mm. big big sweaters. Um, there is a particular restaurant that is in a green cabin that has a literal roaring fire in a fireplace. Pete Cozy. Um, there's a, a kitschy coffee cup featured prominently. Um, there is my house, my rules, my coffee. Yes, which has all kinds of resonance. Um, there is, and we'll get to the second death, which I think, uh, the second death and the character in general is kind of a deviation from the coziness, Mm. but initially there's only one death that while not technically bloodless is still relatively tidy. It's not Mm. gory. It's Mm. not, it's, it's very tidy and neat. Um, there's no children. There are no children. Yeah. Um, which, the youngest one is the alt-right douchebag who's probably right. about like 19, you know. Yeah, he might, I think he might be like 15 or 16, but he's not a child exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no small children, so you're not worried about children's safety. Um, there are animals, but they don't get hurt. There's no sex or romance. Mm. Um, which I thought was yeah, really... Yeah, the two leads are not, yeah, romantically involved. Yeah, like, there could have potentially been sexual tension between Marta and Ransom, and, and there's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, Chris, uh... What, what's Chris Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans, enjoy, fucking Captain I, America. I know, he is... He is such a great... Ever since, what was that movie? Um, no, before that, even though that is a great film. Was no, it, but I'm a not call- another teen movie. Not another teen <laughs> movie because he's like because he's hilarious in the movie, but in that way where you're like, but I know you're still a really good actor by how well you're able to sell yeah. this. You know what and I mean? He's like just clearly enjoying the hell out of not being Captain America. <laughs> yeah, um, being the dastardly, uh, you know, uh, redheaded stepchild. You yeah. know, <laughs> oh, there is a there is a secret passageway, but again, it's subverted because. So, uh, I, I will have so much to say about Fran and the way she just delightfully, like, 
belongs in but then subverts the coziness and the genre expectations um so uh so yeah basically like even though there is a lot of tension there are a lot of awful people there are very real high stakes this the atmosphere of this movie is cozy and i think that that i mean was very intentional because it clearly uh draws a lot on agatha christie um and in fact detective elliot uh name drops uh agatha christie at one point he says this sounds like an agatha christie Uh, well it is interesting like no like because i remember my mom reading like whodunits like you know when i was younger and feeling like this kind of like hits like it's interesting that you said that cozy mystery because like it, yeah it hits on a slightly softer tone with how the plot resolves. You're not reading this to yeah like cozy mystery is you're reading to kind of snuggle up with a cup of tea mm. and even though there are real stakes and it's not all like dull and feel good, um, not to say that everything feel good is dull but like it's it's you know there's genuine stakes there's genuine tension and yet. There is something very cozy about it, and especially on a rewatch when you know what happens, yeah. and so that what's going to happen, tension isn't there, you can really kind of sink into it. Um, and I want to say one more thing, a hallmark of the cozy mystery genre is the non-professional detective, or at least the non-cop detective, and though mm. there are cop characters, there's um, there's Detective Elliot, who's Lakeith, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, um, and then Trooper Wagner is his, like, assistant. I, He's, I like, the know. guy who basically just reacts to right. everything, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, but they're sort of... The, the guy who's sort of heading the investigation is an amateur consulting detective. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc, <laughs> played delightfully by Daniel Craig. I love He's this role. so over-the-top ridiculous. Yeah, and I remember, like, people get... I remember hearing people giving him crap and be like, oh, what is this British guy doing? It's like, no, he's an actor. Let him act. Like, right. <laughs> and he, and it's so fun to, like, just see him, like, yes. relish in the role, you know? He, he's another one just clearly having so much fun and... Like everybody is chewing the scenery in this, oh for um, sure. Except for uh, the Marta. Marta the lead gives a well, she gives a very like sweet, genuine, natural performance, right, right. Which is a really nice contrast to all these like crazy, over the top characters around her. Um, Yeah. But specifically, it being um, the focus of you know the sort of main detective character being a non-cop is important because it's Mm. not a police procedural. It's not about how are we going to gather evidence to present in court. It's about a person who is just trying to figure out what's going on and what to do about it. Um, And that really sets a different tone than if you bring sort of legal, uh, you know, like legal um, procedure, you know, procedural specifics into it the way that you have in like a cop drama. Um, So... Yeah, the, the we're getting to the tip part of the click clacking of the roller coaster. So, um, anyone again who does not want to be spoiled, we are about to get going. We're gonna, guys. Get, in, <laughs> we're gonna get into super super spoiling. Yeah. Okay, so the movie starts, and I love how the movie starts. It's a very like, it's such a typical like just setting things up in a creepy way where you're seeing this like 
big sort of, uh, you know, uh, haunt, uh, like, scary-looking manor. Mm -hmm. um, and as a fog is around it and two and, black and dogs running at the screen. Motion, and it's yeah. like, really dramatic strings. Like yeah. A <laughs> like, and you're yeah. just like, what, what, what is happening? And I don't think, there's no opening credits, is there? I think it just goes, like, it's, knives out and then that, goes into the movie. Yeah, then, and then there's one title card... Uh, but, well, no, it's the really dramatic shot, and then, oh, shoot, I had, initially, I had notes where I, like, put everything that happened, and then I was like, oh, we don't need that. Uh. <laughs> but it was, so, it was the, it was that shot, and then... And then it goes into the house and we're seeing the interior right with all the kit. Yes, and we see all the stuff that's like, yeah, that's what you say, like, it's a cozy mystery where it's like, it's just this, like, seeing all these interior shots of just, like, things really crowded inside of this house. Yeah, just yeah. all this, like, Different memorabilia. Kit, including many books and sort of book posters from, um, from Harlan Thor... Harlan? Thornby? Thromby. Thromby. So weird. It's a weird name. Thromby. 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 So Harlan Thromby, the owner of the mansion, um, the owner of the mansion is a best-selling mystery writer. Yeah, it sounds uh, like an it sounds like a truncated version of Thornberry's Thromby. Yeah, Thromby. <laughs> he's he's. He is so successful that he has become fabulously wealthy despite the fact that he refuses to allow his books to be um, adapted on screen in any way. Yeah, yeah, which, that's an element that kind of like comes up, which yeah. that comes up, and yeah, and that just tells you how successful he is because that is very difficult to. to do with He's a J.D. Salinger type. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so we, we get all these interior shots and we see a close-up of this kitschy white... 80s coffee mug that says my house my rules my coffee and it's being put on a tray and we see the housekeeper fran from the back as she is going up uh with this tray and casually kicks open a panel of the wall that is a clearly not so secret secret passage and goes up to harlan thromby's study and sees him splayed out dead with his throat cut and a knife mm. uh and i love that so like a less there are all these moments that a lesser movie would have gone one way mm. and Brian Johnson just has it be slightly less obvious. So right. you know she looks at him, her face is shocked. She's holding a tray, and a lesser movie would have had her just dramatically drop the tray, of and course. instead she just kind of fumbles it and starts going, "Ah shit!" While <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like trying to recover it because you still have a job, right? Like you still right. Like, you're not just you're gonna, in that mindset. You're not of, like, just gonna throw a tray. Like yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's just much more awkward and realistic, and it's. Uh -huh. You get, and this is what, so I want to say, like, Fran consistently, um, so we have these, it's set in, um, it's set somewhere in New England, right? It's like in yeah. Massachusetts or something. Yeah. Um, and so all of these characters are these, all of the characters that we're going to meet are, are these very sort of over-the-top types um, mm -hmm. and except for Marta is, you know, this ingenue and she's, she's playing it pretty realistic. She's pretty normal. Well, as everyone person. else for the most part is like just um, the family, like other than Yeah. The, the, yeah. And then Fran and the, and the detective and, the and Fran, the housekeeper is, she's a little bit of like, she, she feels like a Jersey girl, you know, she's like. 
Or like, or like, right. what is like the Boston equivalent? She's like a Boston. Yeah, she's like, you know, yeah, a townie. Like, I'll, 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 I'll do the fucking job, but I don't give a fuck about well, you, and, and I'm gonna make it, it known. I mean, she's but like, nice. she's not like surly. <laughs> no, but, but you know, a big plot element of the mo- of the movie is that she doesn't uh, she, she ransom. Does, uh, she does not like ransom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and she calls it like, I don't give a fuck who you yeah, are. I'm gonna call you. What, I'm gonna call you you. Like, Fran, what your real name is. Like, Marta, Marta's performance is not over the top, and yet she still fits in very much as this sweet ingenue. She fits in as a type very much to the mechanics and to the aesthetic. Fran, Mm. Fran's the only one that I feel like breaks the aesthetic. She breaks the cozy mystery aesthetic. You're right. Because she does feel, it does feel weird whenever she shows up. You're right. It does feel like, you know, you're breaking. Yeah. You get that feel. But I think it's a choice. I don't think that's an, that's a mistake. Like, it feels like a very intentional choice and it's cool because it's what keeps, it's, Fran is a big part of what keeps the movie feeling too sort of claustrophobic or too cute Mm. in that she comes through and um, and since we've already given you plenty of spoiler warnings, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's too late if you haven't seen it. Um, Fran's death at the end that happens mm. off screen, yeah. um, un- that happens you know off screen and uh, and that we're misled about initially is is yeah. a shock and is so and it's and her like even when we see her you know overdosing and having to get CPR, it's very grizzly yeah, um, yeah and it's and you're and then right. she dies and it's like no but you're in a cozy mystery and the guy already died and there's not supposed to be somebody dying of an yeah overdose. yeah exactly so, like wait what's going on yeah so, it almost does feel like we're like wait there's another death happening yeah. wait what's going on so, <laughs> yeah so fran's behavior um fran's demeanor and fr- and her and then eventually in her actions and eventually her death um, so like puncturing they, the uh... they puncture it in a way that I think elevates the whole movie from being there was a lot of comparison because I think this movie came out around the same time as that murder on the Orient Express yeah I remember um, that and murder on the Orient Express is a straightforward adaptation of a Christie movie that mm. I actually haven't seen I remember it not being very well received and people saying it's kind of hacky mm. and there was a lot of comparison between the two where they said, you know, Murder on the Orient Express was yet another Agatha Agatha Christie adaptation, but this one is like paying homage to Agatha Christie and yet making it fresh both with an original plot Mm. and also I think that that puncturing that happens. Mm, um, like evolving the narrative. Right. It, it lets it not just feel like this sort of stale, like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like, we're used to these plot points, but we have to do them because that's how we keep true the tradition instead of like, well, at the time, those plot points would right. have been, it, like, interesting. Yeah, people, it almost know? reminds me of, uh, I read something that a costumer said once about how a big mistake people make when they're costuming period pieces is making the clothes look old because when we see clothes from the 1940s they look old but in the 1940s those clothes would not have looked old shining in you know and similarly it's like agatha christie wasn't making wasn't telling stories that felt old um and so i think that that they weren't conventions at the time as much as they are now. Right. right, and so I think, you know, I think this is a fantastic movie, if I haven't made that clear. I think it's a really fantastic movie, mm-hmm. and I think a big part of that is the way that it 
lives in this genre without sinking into it. Yeah, without feeling out, like breathing new life into it in an interesting way. Like, <laughs> but I mean, by nature, of very like uh, surface aspects, mm-hmm. like caricatures such as the alt right troll, you know, character, but like also in ways of how it like breaks the narrative. Right. And, and now the it. other thing I want to say in terms of puncturing is it's actually I miss I, I was wrong when I said this because it occurs mm. to me like it's not just Fran, it is every time we see Marta's home because Marta yeah. lives in like a normal small apartment with her mom and her sister and so like we go from this big opulent manor house. It reminds to... me of Parasite in that way. I remember people bringing that up as well when that movie came out. Yeah, although the difference is that, like, I don't feel like Marta's house is like really crappy. Like the no, no, the, no. no. The yeah, if you see Parasite, yeah, so yeah. over the top crappy. Like Marta, it's just like a normal small apartment, and she's got kind of a cracked phone, and like she's not living in squalor, but it's but it's like, like their normal is right. different from this other like, family's a, normal. Right, like, it's you like know? a normal working class apartment, and so. Um, you know, and so, and, and it's like the colors in the apartment are, you know, this sort of like off white, pale green, like that you see yeah. in like a regular person's kitchen. Yeah. So you break out of this sort of dark, dusty burgundies. And... Yeah. And in fact, the way the movie opens up is that like, okay, so we know that the, the death has happened. And like all of a sudden, we're hearing you know one another like her sibling listening to like a murder drama podcast or something like that unfolding. The sister's watching like a procedural on the yeah yeah, and it's about like a death that's happening, and everyone's just like sitting there and just going like, you know, there's that moment where like the mother finally breaks and like, oh my god, will you turn that off? Like you yeah. know something just recently happened, and this is like it's such a funny like you know breaking up the fourth wall moment of just like very obvious like oh my god, someone's listening to. Something that's about a murder when we know that it just happened. And it's just like, for a character to be hearing that is very traumatizing to be like, yo, can you turn that down? And we see, see, uh, yeah, and we see Marta sitting at the kitchen table looking kind of shell-shocked. And so clearly, like, this has shaken her badly. This isn't just, oh, my boss died. Like, this this was really difficult for her. Um, And she gets a call. And and some of the cinematography here, some of the framing, like... The, we see it's almost like a close-up on her face. She's like stepped away from the table and it's close-up on her and she's talking on the phone and somebody, Walt, that we later meet, uh, is saying, you need to come to the house. They want to talk to you. Uh, and then we see the car driving up this long driveway through this enormous estate through the woods. We see a little security shack. Um, and it pulls up to the house and the uh, the police, and apparently Jordan Gro- Joseph Gordon Levitt is one of the police. Is that who that was in the movie? I, yeah, because when I was looking at the cast, <laughs> wait, I was looking at the cast. It says Joseph Gordon Levitt. I'm like, who the where was Joseph Gordon Levitt in that? And apparently, like, he just has a little cameo. I my I brain remembers him, but it was one of those things where I was just like. Oh hey, is JGL? Oh, of course he's gonna come. And then it just didn't happen. Like he just didn't come back. I and didn't my brain just went like, Yeah, I remember having that moment. Like, like you know, your brain was like, Oh, but he's the third officer. But it's that's not him. Yeah, oh. I didn't even notice. I did not like, even notice. I remember him. having that like, yeah, Baron Stain Bears <laughs> moment where I was just like, Wait, was he in this movie? But then it just got washed You're, over me by the and plot. And then your brain you know? just goes on. And yeah, yeah. You're trying to figure out what else is going on. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, the one of the cops says, are you with the help? And Meg, who is Harlan Thrombey's granddaughter, comes out and immediately is like, and she's she is this, you know, liberal college student. Oh, um, right. And, and she comes out like, the help? Seriously? Oh, my God, I can't believe they said that to you. And Marta doesn't seem particularly bothered by it. She's just like, yeah, I'm, you know. Um, and Meg gets very over-the-top defensive of her and pulls her inside. Um, and... We uh, we start to meet the family, and there's a running gag where I believe it's Linda, who is uh, Harlan's daughter, pulls Marta aside and says, um, you know, I wanted you at the funeral, but I was outvoted, which is kind of a shitty thing to say to somebody. It's like, it's all about, well, I like you. Uh, yeah, well, else I'm the good guy here. Right, you know. I like you, but the rest of these people don't like you. Uh, yeah, it's such a shitty, backhanded thing. Again, it's a, it's a key into your character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Linda says that later in the movie, Walt says the exact same thing to her. Um, and we start getting some of the running uh, gags where the family members... Well, some of the running threads of the family members telling Marta, you're part of the family. We care about you. We'll take you. care of you. We're going to take care of you. Um, at some point, a little later, Walt explicitly says to Marta, we want to help you out financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, like, always get her country of origin wrong. Like, they say Ecuador, Uruguay, Paraguay. And then later at the end of the movie, like, near the end of the movie, Ransom, in a flashback, says, calls her Brazilian. Wait, but where's she actually from, though? I don't think they ever... Because, yeah, they don't say it right, but it is said at some point. I don't think it is. I don't think they ever say specifically... No, it has to. I don't think they ever specifically say where she's from. It's just everybody (laughs) guessing different countries. Now, I wanted to bring up something that was interesting to me, like... Yeah. So it was like the way that the the younger kids of of the cast were talking, you know? It was like, it was the... It was the way that, you know, you write a script, right? And and I was looking at the movie, like, you know, seeing when this, oh, yeah, 2019, right? That's when this came out. And I was thinking and having that feeling of, like, the way that they are so talking and using, like, the sort of internet lingo of, like, how fit someone talk. Like, as it starts off, uh, one person who's, the, like, the, the older person goes, like, oh, yeah, he's Jacob. 16, that's how old he is. Mm-hmm. He says, he's very uh, politically active. And then you hear someone who's, like, slightly younger, <laughs> the father goes, like, the boy is literally a Nazi. And then you hear, like, the, your... the sister go, like, he's an alt-right troll dipshit. Like, yeah. she breaks it down the vernacular, right? Richard, Richard coming for Jacob is so freaking funny. Richard <laughs> is his uncle. Okay, so let let's just review the family. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so because I couldn't remember at first. Okay, so you've got Linda played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who's Harlan's daughter. Ah, oh, awesome! I love Jamie Lee her, Curtis. Yeah, her husband Richard, um, and then Walt, who's his son, and then his wife Walt's Walt's wife Donna is played by Ricky Lindholm, and she's a pretty small part. She doesn't um, she doesn't come into it a whole lot. Uh, and then there's Joni, played by Tony Collette, who's hilarious in this. And she is Harlan's dead son's widow. So she's a daughter-in-law, but that son's not around. So you've got Jamie Lee Curtis, and then I can't remember the actor's name playing Walt. But Walt and, Walt and Linda are Harlan's two living children. And Richard and Joni... And Donna are the in-laws, although Donna, again, doesn't really come into it that much. Um, So Richard and... It's interesting because Richard and... uh, Richard and Tony Collette's character, um, Joni... Richard and Joni are boomer political characters. Mm -hmm. And then Lind... um, And then 
uh, Joni's daughter Meg and Walt's son Jacob are millennial yeah. political caricatures. So you've got the boomers at one point, like like um, Donna is Walt's wife. Donna, it's interesting. So Linda and Walt, who Harlan's children, do not seem very political at all. Like they don't really express political opinions. Mm. Um, There's a scene where they where everyone is talking politics and. Right, like Donna, yeah. like Linda, Linda and and Walt are not particularly political. Like Walt, at a certain point, kind of gets shitty about Marta's mother's immigration status, but but that seems uh, more just general shittiness we'll, rather we'll, than yeah, we'll get to that Whereas Richard is clearly a trumper in the sort of like good old boy, like doesn't he's not. Like, he doesn't think of himself as a hateful person. He thinks, I'm a nice person. But come on, people. Like, he calls Martin. He's like, your family did it, right? You know, you're hard workers. And absolutely, like, absolutely. He, it's the the biggest cringe moment in the movie is when Richard quotes Hamilton and goes, immigrants, get the job done. Oh, my it's God. It's so cringe. And, and, and the re- like, the reason why it's cringe. Okay, so, at first, right? So, like, I, I was, I, I had this note where I said, like, the way that these people are talking is so, like, blisteringly like feel so true to now mm-hmm. that like I was having this moment where like is the shit head way that they are talking like is this the, like the like the writer being like try, like pulling at the sort of rip from the headlines things or is it like just so blisteringly true that the reality is that people do talk like this right you know and, and it, it was just like having that moment of like oh wait <laughs> you know it's like slightly heightened but so here's the thing that I thought was interesting so Joni is sort of Joni is like sort of a stereotypical champagne liberal she is literally holding a glass of champagne uh, while going they've got kids in cages and yeah, yeah. sort of saying all the right things and the morally right groaning things. and rolling her eyes by the way i love this little detail there's so many great little details like this Joni's like influencer wellness company or whatever that she has her lifestyle brand is called flam as in <laughs> flim flam. Right, I thought right. that was so funny. But so Joni is like, you know, sitting there groaning and rolling her eyes and like blah, 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 while arguing with her Trumper brother and Yeah, and she's also getting her uh, college education paid by... Her, her uh, daughter's getting her tuition paid, right? So Joni yeah. is this like stereotypical boomer liberal. Richard is a stereotypical sort of good old boy boomer conservative. And he's, you know, not overtly hateful but just but it's like oh don't just eat common assume, sense you well, know right and sort of assuming that obviously i like this girl so obviously her family mustn't be undocumented because otherwise they would be bad people and i right like right right whereas donna who mercifully we don't hear a lot from donna mm. like gives off straight up like neo-nazi vibes like <laughs> donna's like oh that's where your kid gets it because right. she's like this extremely brittle like they're taking our way of life Life and like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Suit like they're gonna be marching in the streets and raping and then right, right, right. Like, like Donna is just the like you could see Donna at a clam. She's like holding <laughs> like a martini um, while she was saying it, dude. She's like, don't yeah, you guys? I thought there was like had some like I, pearls or something like yeah, that. She literally has pearls that she's clutching. clutching. Yeah. There, um, I thought it was really funny that when Walt is first being interviewed, they're you hear him speaking over a flashback to the party and he says, well, there's my wife, Donna. She's my rock. And immediately Donna like startles at something and shrieks and drops her drink. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh, that point where you're saying like, yeah, yeah. the daughter is sapping money, but, um, 
the the who is it? I think it was Jamie Lee Curtis that was talking to someone else and saying like, oh, she's using it to for college to fund her uh, crypto Marxist feminist theory classes like, or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's it. I did think it was interesting that Harlan's children seem like they don't care. Um, like they just kind of don't care about politics and they're just kind of going along with their spouse. The mm. in-laws are very into politics in at least that sort of surface level way. And then the kids are very much like, again, Meg is at, you know, Meg at, in the end of the day doesn't want to do anything to have, like doesn't want to risk having to drop out of college, even if it right. me means screwing Marta over. And Jacob just sort of sits on the internet and trolls people. Oh my God! The line. There's not a real engagement but, with politics right. in, a, in a rubber meets the but road way. Just, just some of the funniest bits in the movie are Richard coming for Jacob. He, he, he says at one point Jacob has been in like was in the bathroom, and Richard says he was joylessly masturbating to pictures of dead deer, <sighs> which then later leads to Benoit Blanc going. What are the Nazi child? What were the words of the Nazi child who was in the bathroom masturbating? Oh my <laughs> like, God! No, I hate oh that. Uh, but you know, I, I think what's interesting about watching a murder mystery, like again, right, is that like when you first watch a murder mystery, like initially you don't know what's happening and you're skeptical of everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone kind of looks like, hmm, why did he act like that? Why did he act like that? Why did he act like that? But, like, when you're watching it again, and you already know who the bad guy ultimately is, there is that sort of feeling of, like, hmm, well, of course someone would act like that because something very traumatic just happened, right? Like, there's yeah. that humanity that you kind of, like, start to, like, feel in the characters. Like, like this one part where the Mark Hamill-looking motherfucker, uh, the... the... Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he, like, kind of gets defensive at first. He like, wait, are you like trying what? to say... Right? He doesn't yeah, look yeah. like fucking uh, Luke like Skywalker yeah. 30 years on, right? Yeah. Um... But yeah, he, he starts to get defensive, like, whoa, 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 are you insinuating there's a death? And at first it's just like, uh oh, why did he get so defensive? But then, like, like as soon as they go out of get defensive? Yeah, exactly. It'd be like, wait a minute now. Like, yeah, yeah you totally get incensed. Yeah. I also like, and this also is one of the best versions, is that you find out who done it. Well, at least you find out part of who done it yeah. halfway through. You find out that uh, you find out that definitively none of these people killed Harlan. Mm. Um, at least none of them slit his throat. Right. And um, also, I liked that Detective Elliot said at one point, like pretty early on, because so we we hear the initial interviews with the kids with Harlan's children, um, and you're going okay, so. Lin uh, so Linda doesn't have an obvious motivation, but her husband Richard was having an affair and Harlan found out about it and threatened to tell Linda, who had made him sign a prenup, so that would mean he would not only lose his, you know, marriage, but also all his money and his lifestyle. Right. And Benoit um, Blanc was able to figure out what, like, basically is like, at first, he goes like, hmm, they're all lying to me in some mm. capacity. And he's like, oh, the reason why is not necessarily because they have something to do with the murder, but because they have pre-related like related right. things that well, are the reason so, why they would not want to tell the truth. Yeah, so, you know? so the, well, basically the, um, yeah, the quote-unquote motives that we get established very quickly are Richard's had an affair, he's worried about getting kicked out on his ass. Walt um, had, was just told 
at the night of the birthday. So Harlan dies the night of his birthday party and all everybody, the family was there. Um, Walt was just told that he was fired from running his father's publishing company, which, uh, you know, has been his entire career. Um, and Joni has been caught stealing essentially by getting um, Harlan to send, getting Harlan's, you know, money managers to send both the tuition money for her daughter's college directly to the school as well as to her. So Joni's been caught stealing, Richard's been caught cheating, and Walt's just been fired. However, um, and so at first, you know, if you're playing armchair detective, you're going, oh, they all have motives. And right. then, um, you know, and then Detective Elliot says, no, 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 come on. None of these are adequate motives for murder. Yeah. And then Benoit Blanc is also thinking about the fact that he was mysteriously hired to assist with the case. Mm -hmm. So someone, so off the rip, he is someone who is introduced as someone who's like, oh, he's a famed detective. Mm -hmm. You know, people know who he is. He had, he, a, he he had a story in the New Yorker. He had exactly. a profile in the New Yorker, which they'd all read. Yeah, so the idea of like him being specifically hired for this thing that some of them do know about, but like, you know, the person who had hired them didn't want to give up the goods as to who it was. So it was like that element of like, okay, so who could that be? Like, it couldn't have right. been the person who did it, right? I, because, well, okay, so there's automatically this sense of like, thought, so does somebody know something? You know, yeah. there has to be something extra there. And that's what is keeping Benoit Blanc on the case. Because it's just like, if it is just a normal case, why would somebody want me to, you know, see what's up, you know? I, I had thought for a long time, the first time I saw the movie, I thought that it was Harlan had somehow set it up ahead of time. Mm. And in fact... Um, that, but I was like, that feels too simple. Yeah, yeah, like I had thought that at first. And then also there is um, about midway through, uh, Blanc tells Marta that his father had been friends with Harlan, or at least known Harlan, uh, which again was making me think like, oh, Harlan like somehow you know, arranged for in the event of my death, you know, but, <laughs> um, but that does not turn out to be the case. So, mm. um, yeah, so I, I've got just all these like little, little clues that, you know, became evident. Oh. Uh, First, I want to bring up the yeah, freaking, yeah. uh, the thing that you said about the, oh my God, when the cringy ass middle-aged white dude says the immigrants, <laughs> they get their job done. And it's just like that immediate, like, so it was like, I was like, immediately I felt like, so then immediately about the white dude commenting on the, uh, you know, the, the resourcefulness of the immigrants, like quoting this line from Hamilton. It's like, it's so slimy when you're directly thinking about the, you know, power dynamic of this person that you totally have, you know, hired working for you and you know you're not paying what you know you could be paying yeah. them. Like, well, you know, well, like so, that sort of thing. Or just like, oh, I'm yeah. progressive, but like, mm, and when, again, when the material rubber hits the road, mm. are you really? That also <laughs> brings up um, that moment actually introduces a little tidbit about Trooper Wagner that becomes kind of a running thread is Trooper Wagner is a fan. He's a fan of Hamilton. He's a fan of Harlan. He's a fan of Joni with her Instagram empire or whatever she's doing. Oh, that's right. Um, and then I kind of loved uh, at the very end when Benoit Blanc is giving his, you know, Hercule Poirot uh, uh, is giving his, uh, his, you know, his detective speech at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Detective Elliot starts to say something, and Trooper Wagner is just like, shh, shh and has this, like, huge yeah, grin on his face, like, it's, he's doing this speech. And is like, like, Trooper Wagner becomes sort of the genre-aware one. Yeah, the audience surrogate. Because he's yeah. a fan. 
Uh, yeah. He's just a fan in general. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of a clever. Yeah. So we set up uh, in a scene. It, it 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 they set up that the uh, Latina maid uh, Marta. She's not, a, she's not a maid, she's a nurse. Oh, oh, right, right, right. right, right. I, I keep, like, because, yeah, because yeah, it's like, the the white woman is the housekeeper. Fran, Fran is yeah, the housekeeper. Yeah, Fran is the housekeeper, but she has a more specific job, yeah, of being the right. nurse. She's, so Marta is, I think, a registered nurse. Yeah, yeah, she's an um, RN, she, She's right? an RN, and she's been hired, and it's like, you can tell um, that, you know, she was hired to kind of help Harlan out with some medications, but... Um, but really her, she's, she's his companion. Yeah. It's one of those things where you do like elder care, you know, you like, you know, you get to know the person, you hang out with them because it's just like, yeah, you know. Right. And that they've gotten to be good friends, um, in, in the course of her working for him. Yeah. Um, but you learn that she can't like, well, when she lies, she has a visceral reaction where like, she like throws up. She throws up, which becomes very important. And so that becomes the sort of control in the movie where it's like, you know, you could look at it first and be like, what? That's the sort of like, you know, oh, this is an obvious plot narrative, but it's like, but if you think about how like Mm -hmm. plots unfold, it's like, okay, this is clearly going to be like, this is how we control and figure out what's the truth of the situation. Right. And of course, just like, you know, when you go to throw up, you can usually choke it down for at least a minute or two if you really try hard right. you know she's able to do that which does make it like you know it's it's not like a bright red flashing light goes yeah, off you're still trying to like figure out um, what the situation is as it's as the scene's unfolding right right yeah 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 so um so essentially plot wise in the movie we get interviews with all of harlan's children and um and uh, and the in-law the children in-laws and the um, and then eventually Morta, after she has spoken personally to Benoit, and they've established the thing with her throwing up if she lies. Are we still good on the battery? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, interesting, again, these little framing things of um, when uh, Richard and Linda and Walt and Joni are interviewed, uh, they're in front of this chair or this this sort of display of... Uh, of a big circle of knives um, mm. and they're all sort of off to the side yeah. and when Marta is interviewed she's sitting dead center of it so that it almost looks like a halo around her yeah. um, but also by the time Marta is interviewed the first time we have gotten a flashback to what really happened um, we've gotten several flashbacks to the night of the party and then we've gotten sort of Almost the full flashback. Yeah, it kind of unfolds like as it goes on. Yeah. Essentially, what we've established up to that point is the night of the birthday party. Ransom, who is um, Richard and Linda's son, who is in his thirties, he's played by Chris Evans. Chris Evans, and he was kind of Harlan's favorite, but he showed up to the party, had a huge argument with Harlan, and stormed off. And they also established that he missed the funeral. And, uh, also... So people are giving him shit about it at the beginning of the movie. Right, so that's all we've seen, that's all we've heard about Ransom Savari. had a huge argument with Harlan, stormed off off early, missed the funeral. Um, and then, also, everybody kind of stayed the night at the house. Uh, they, there was a thump at a certain point, and then, um, Joni went upstairs, talked to Harlan, and Marta's kind of... We see her, like, standing with her face to the wall in a way that looks really weird. Mm. But Harlan seems fine. Joni talks to him, goes back downstairs. Um, Marta leaves. 
uh, and then everybody goes to bed. They hear the dogs barking at some point, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's all anybody knows. And then we see the night of the party, and the dogs barking becomes important later. Yeah, and the night of the party, that's where the whole conversation is happening, right? Where there's everything, a, everything happens the night of the birthday party. Yeah, where, where they talk about like the kids in cages and immigration. That's and, yeah, all yeah. of that's happening the night of the birthday party. Because I remember someone says like, "Oh yeah, you, you'd feel. Oh, are you telling me you'd feel the same if they were Swiss people, like you know, <laughs> clogging in there, uh, you know, like in <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, um, yeah, and and he says like, um, you know, it's a what, what? Oh, that's when the the dad says like they broke the law and America is for Americans. But this woman here, she did it the right way, and that's yeah. when he points out uh, Marta. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's and sort because, of awkward. Like you, you, you uh, earned your way up like the rest of us, and you right. worked and your it, way. And immediately, there's that like it's one of those things where it's like it's unspoken, where it's just like wait. Excuse me, sons and daughters of this rich, like, you know, book tycoon dude who, like, made his money and made it so that you guys are as comfortable as you are right now. Excuse me. Oh, oh, they need to work their way up just like we did? What? That's a recurring... (laughs) Yeah, and that is a recurring theme also is that they all want to think of themselves as being self-made. Right. But they're all basically... Sucking, suckling at Harlan's book teeth. Yeah, and, and uh, when you hear the interviews where it's just like, well, well, I got some money from this. Well, this person right. is it. Well, I'm, uh, you know, do, handling this because of, yeah, what Thromby was able to right. do because of this. And it's also, I think, that the immigration thing is, is, you know, obviously an important theme because Marta's mother is an undocumented immigrant. And, you know, some of the stuff Richard says is things you hear a lot. They, he says they broke the law, which, no, they didn't. Like, actually applying for it, like... Crossing the border and immediately applying for asylum is not illegal. That is what you're supposed to do. The people who were being detained at the border did not break the law, actually. And also the whole, like, you know, so many people have this idea where they think undocumented immigrants just didn't want to get in line and just get in Mm. line and wait your turn. And it's like, no, there literally is no line. Like, people, I don't know if people think that, like, in every other country, all you have to do is walk up to the American Embassy embassy and take a ticket like at the butcher shop and just wait for your number to get called and you go you know like there really is not a clear and obvious path to immigration like that um so like anybody who judges undocumented immigrants because they're like well why didn't they just do it the right way it's like the right way quote unquote very often is literally just not possible for people um anywho uh so what we find out in marta's flashback is that what happened from her perspective is she and Harlan went up to play Go um, and they're joking around. They clearly have this very sweet relationship and they're bantering and kind of ribbing each other. They go up to play Go in his study in the, you know, behind the quote unquote secret panel, uh, which also like clearly everybody knows about. Fran knows about, yeah, Marta knows about, yeah. Joni knows about. It's not a secret. It just is a, it is a wall. Yeah. Um, but he, they're playing Go and he's uh, jokingly, like, he flips the go board because he's losing. And yeah, right. you know, he's just like, oh, I can't take this. And he flips the but go board. But it's like a sort of, like, they're right. friends and, right. you know, and he's, he's just, being a busy old right. man, like, should be a joke. But yeah. when he knocks the board over, he also knocks over her medical bag. And so um, she picks up the medical bag uh, and, she, um, and she injects him with uh she injects him with a mild painkiller 
and then right the, the milligrams of a morphine or well a, no it's not the morphine well okay so she what she believes she is doing initially is injecting him with 100 milligrams of a mild painkiller yes and then she goes do you want to do drugs holding up a bottle of what she believes is morphine and that's supposed to be and, the three milligrams and it's of supposed morphine. to be a three milligram dose yeah. she looks at it the label is for the mild painkiller and she goes oh shit I dosed you with 100 milligrams of morphine. You're about to die. So she goes to get the Narcan out of her bag yeah, and yeah. can't find it. And so, and he's very calm. He's in mystery writer mode. Because he's like, oh, you know, things um, will be fine. Right. And I want to mention also a couple important points because so Harlan has been saying, uh, you know, he's been talking about his family. He's been talking about his kids and saying, you know, I don't think I've done right by them. I've made things too easy for them. I want to fix this. Uh, before I go, I have this all this regret. And then he also makes a comment where he picks up a knife and says, he says something like, you get to a point where you can't tell the difference between a real knife and a stage prop. And that becomes <laughs> yeah. uh, a callback later. But so Marta goes, oh shit, just injected you with 100 milligrams of morphine. But she starts looking for the Narcan and she says... And, and he's like, oh, this is interesting. Like, how long would I have to live? And she says, well, you have, you know, between five to ten minutes yeah, before you die. Yeah, he's being, like, die. chill about it, yeah. Uh, she can't find the Narcan. Uh, but she's getting and more so she stress. starts to try and call 911, but he's like, okay, well, an ambulance isn't going to get here in 15 minutes. So she goes to try and yell for the family, and he trips her, which makes a thud. That's what Joni hears. Is that what happened? Because it's a quick take where you're just like, right. wait, she fell, he, but did he, she just fall on right. something? Or he, did... he trips her so that she doesn't go get the family, and it makes a thud. And Joni hears the thud and comes up and talks to Harlan, and that's when you see Marta standing against the wall and just hiding the fact that she's crying. But Harlan tells Marta, look, I'm about to die. There's nothing we can do about that. I'm going to die. Your mother is undocumented. If you get investigated... Uh, right. for, for malpractice right. that what's going to happen to your family so I'm going to help you I've got a plan and his mystery writer brain has concocted this plan and um, and this is something that's also been touched on already in the movie that Linda's made a comment where she says you know my father and I used to always play these games he always had you always had to find this game you could play with him or a special sort of a special way of communicating yeah. and with her and her father he would write her letters in invisible ink and we in fact see her reading letters that have clearly been written in invisible ink and burned so that you can then see the the letters anyway so he says to Marta here's the plan um you right now go and loudly leave the house like put on your coat loudly leave remark on the time oh no it's midnight and we see her doing all these things with his voiceover yeah. so he's got we're hearing him voiceover she does these things so she rushes out the front door past walt who's standing on the porch and says oh it's all it's almost midnight i can't believe it's midnight um gets in her car drives in the road and he says now to avoid being caught on security camera <laughs> you must turn off before the before. carved element. And she goes, before? And then he goes, after the carved element. Wait, wait, She's like, wait, after? after? And like, then you hear him go, be after for the carved <laughs> element. And so, I'm like, it's, dude, such, it's just like the playing with your mind. Yeah, of like, wait, what did he it's say? It's such a great moment of like the memory being unreliable. So she panics. She pulls off the road. Before. Before the carved yeah. elephant. 
uh, which turns out to have been the wrong choice. Mm. Um, but she goes and parks. She sneaks back through the woods. The dogs know her and like her because she's a good person, which gets established. Like, yeah. later we see that. Wait, no, she pulls out after. After. Yeah, yeah because, case, yeah, when you see yeah. the statue, but she she's makes, after them. She yeah. makes the wrong you're, choice. But you're right when you say yeah. she makes the wrong choice, yeah. But the dogs like her, so they don't bark. She starts climbing up the trellis to the secret window, and Nana, we haven't talked about Nana. Great Nana. Uh, yes, because, so, yeah, she rolls up and Winnetta, she sees Yeah, her. so Winnetta, or Great Nana, is Harlan's mother, who is in her 90s, and she's yeah, just super ancient, old. <laughs> ancient, with these huge Coke bottle glasses, this big Russian hat. Yeah, just constantly <laughs> wrapped in furs. Doesn't talk much at all. We barely ever hear her. In fact, what she says next is the only thing we hear her say yeah, in the whole movie. Lines, yeah. I love this movie. Like, at one point, we see her just kind of standing there silently where Walt is, like, yelling in her face, like, Are you hungry? Do you want food? And she's just not <laughs> yeah, responding. Yeah. And then uh, it's either Linda or Joni is like, She's fine. She just ate a whole salmon platter. Mm. And it's just so funny. Like, this quiet old lady just devoured the salmon platter by <laughs> herself. Um, so Great Nana is standing in the window and sees, um, and sees, uh, Marta climbing up the trellis and says, Ransom, are you back again already? Yeah, And that's yeah. all we hear her say. Marta pauses for a second, then keeps climbing, goes back inside, and there's a moment where she's like, I can't do this, and she rushes back up to Harlan's study, and he's still alive, and she's like, I can't. I can't do this. I, I, I can't let you do this. You, I have to try and save you. And he, you know, said, you know, he pulls out a knife. He yeah. pulls out, he's lying on his, his couch very dramatically in the back, pulls out a knife, slits his throat. Marta has a moment of freaking out and yeah. then pulls herself together and continues with Harlan's plan, which is she puts on his robe and hat and she stomps down the stairs really noisily Walt is still standing on the porch, and there's yeah, so uh, that he sees her dressed up as right. Him. There's fogged glass, so he turns around at the noise and sees Harlan's hat and his his nightcap and his robe, and is like, "Dad, go back to bed," thinking he's now seen his father like alive and well. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, twenty minutes after Marta left for the night, right? So, and then Marta goes back upstairs, sneaks back out. Drives away, goes home. Okay, yeah. so that is now. now what a special detail? Mm -hmm. A spot of blood ends up on a spot of blood shoe. ends up on Marta's shoe. But the thing that annoyed the crap out of me as I was watching that was just like he's all the way across the room. How the hell is this? I, I mean, and the way that he was cutting himself, like I could understand the trajectory if it was like a general like, but like it was so like upward, just like yeah. I, I mean, no, it, the, the carotid artery <laughs> pumps pretty hard. I can see that, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it just, it um, felt like when you, because I rewinded it, it looked like it would be in a way where the trajectory would have gone like up, you yeah. know, it would have been so, such a scattershot thing if a smudge would have dropped all the way yeah, across the room on her shoe. I mean, I think that was but, a yeah, yeah, But yeah, also yeah. it was like something, it was a tiny little drop in something. She certainly wasn't Yeah, she wasn't noticing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but then at some point in there, the dogs bark and wake Linda up. Mm. So, anyway, so that's, as far as Marta knows, that's what happened. But when she's being interviewed, now she can't lie because she'll throw up, but she very carefully tells parts of the truth where she says, we played Go, 
And then I left for the night, and she just very carefully tells these little fragments and right. holds it together, and then she goes and throws up immediately after. Mm. Now, we later learn that Benoit Blanc immediately saw right through her. Yeah, and that's... The, like, um, even when I saw it the second time, that was still such a cool reveal to be like... Because it shows that, like, he's such a deeper-thinking mm -hmm. investigator than just, like, going for the surface. Yeah, and you much know? later in the movie, he has a conversation with Great Nana where he basically says... I know the truth. The tricky thing is knowing what to do with the truth. Yeah, and he's so nice to her because he's just like, I realize that in in this whole tizzy, no one has probably consoled you. And I'm I sorry know, for so that. I know, so sweet. Yeah, it's like her son died and everybody's just yelling at her. Yeah. Um, so, so after Marta's uh, initial interview, uh, they... Um, Benoit Blanc says, I want you to help me. There, there's a, a party that night sort of awake... Um, and, oh, we also learn that from Meg, we learn that Fran has a stash of joints that she keeps in a clock on the mantelpiece because, uh, who's going to look in a clock is, is the explanation. <laughs> so that becomes important later. Um, and Marta passes out at one point, uh, just from the stress, mm. but, um, then, you know, she goes outside and Benoit Blanc says, I want you to help me investigate. So the next day... He is, it's Blanc and then the detective and the, and Trooper Wagner, the detective Elliot and Trooper Wagner and Marta all going around. They go to the little security shack that we saw at the beginning. Um, and they, we've got, who is that actor? Uh, the security guy is this like, just, he looks, uh, I don't even know how to describe him. How would you describe that security, security guy? guy? Wait, wait, what's the name you're talking about? Um, the the guy in the security shack. Uh, but but uh, M. Emmett Walsh is Mr. Proofrock. But what's happening in that scene? The the security guy is showing them the security footage, which is on VHS. Yes, yeah, and I know I've seen that guy before, but I can't remember from what. But like playing a similar sort of like. You know, fisherman, whatever the heck, like, you know, man of the land sort of guy. Yeah, and I think it's really funny because, like, the movie is very clearly set present day. It's set during the Trump administration, and yet the security cameras use VHS. Yeah. Which is just such a funny, it's like Harlan clearly is not all that, he's not, he's clearly not some, like, paranoid, like, latest Right, I mean, that, yeah, so this is like, this is the real thing that could happen, um, right, yeah, like. So he's got... So they've got this VHS tape, um, CCTV, and Marta sees the the elephant on the on the camera as they're going through the footage, and she realizes, oh shit, I'm gonna be on camera, mm. turning around, um, and so uh, or like pulling off the road, I'm gonna be on camera doing that, and so she's like, oh, let me get it, and she starts fucking with the with the yeah, VHS yeah. player, and ends up like making it pop out, and it's kind of smoking, and then she grabs the tape, and she's like, oh, I'll get that. And then in the next scene where they're walking through the woods, we see that she's got this big refrigerator magnet in her pocket, and she's been rubbing it on the tape, mm. which scrambles a VHS tape for those of for those of you children who <laughs> actually VHS. Uh... Yeah, VHS like you. Like, you couldn't, if you put a magnet by it, it would, it would fuck it oh, up. Oh, yeah, the whole plot of Be Kind Rewind, if anyone yeah. remembers that movie. <laughs> Jack Black and most mm. Def. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, sweeted movies. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So she, um. Yeah, the modern day, we just talk about them. We don't just remake them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could. 
I mean, we could. Uh, Send us a request uh, (laughs) to $3,000 if you want us to Swede uh, Tenet or some shit. (laughs) So so they're walking through the woods, and she scrambles the tape, and then also, like, sees by the light of day her very obvious footprints tracking through the mud to the house. Yeah, and she acts um, like a, she does a smart-ass move. Which, now that I think about it, it's like, it's supposed to be a week later because we get a title card early on saying, like, one week after Harlan Thrombey's demise. Yeah. It's like, man, those were, those footprints had some staying power. Yeah, I mean, but how many people could have walked in that particular place? Yeah, that's yeah. true. So it's very muddy, there's footprints, um, and she, it's so funny, she just plays dumb and she just starts, yeah, like, the, Oh, Ben Wallace's like, hey, come back here, wait, don't go up. Because, like, the, the detectives all have their back to her and she starts tramping through the footprints and they're and then they turn around and see her just like tramping through them and like uh-huh. wait and she's like what what i didn't hear you what uh, <laughs> and, yeah um and then she, the dog and then she sees the dogs come outside and kind of calls them out and the dogs all run over the footprints and run over to her. <laughs> so the footprints have been completely obscured um they walk up into the yard because the will reading's about to start, and one of the dogs mm. brings up the broken piece of trellis that yes. she broke to Marta, and she throws it, yeah. but that ends up coming back later anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but so they go in for the will reading, and it was Frank Oz uh, is, is that the lawyer. That That's Frank Oz. That's Miss Piggy <laughs> is the lawyer, wow. uh, Alan, uh, and, and he... He's very funny in it. He's just very like, oh, I've got to deal with these people. Um, right. He's like, look, I'm just trying to read the the shit that needs to be read. Right. <laughs> he's the yeah. notary public or something, he, right? He, well, he's the he's the lawyer. He's the estate lawyer, uh, and he has a, a he says, okay, the week the letter was changed a week before yeah, yeah. Harlan's the will was changed a week before Harlan's death, and he's got a letter, and he starts reading the letter, and it's like. Anybody listening who is, you know, anybody at all listening would understand that he's about to disinherit all of them. Yeah. Except they're all so oblivious that all the kids are, like, being all smug and, like, looking all smug at each other. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to get everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he comes out with everything is left to Marta Cabrera. Yeah. And the family flips out. Linda immediately turns on Marta and goes, you little bitch, you yeah. little bitch, and starts, like, screaming at her and accusing her. Uh, and Jay- like I said, the movie started with them saying, you know, when when all this is said and done, we'll take care of you. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, because that's very easy to say when you think you're going to be from a point of <laughs> right. Um, Jacob calls By getting her, this person's money that you didn't earn. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob, who, by the way, looks almost... Exa- he's like a baby Ben Shapiro. He looks so much like You're Ben right. Shapiro. You're right, yeah, so yeah. Um, Jacob calls her a dirty anchor baby. Yeah, you had sex with my grandpa, you dirty anchor baby. <laughs> he's, he's such a like, little fucking like, Morty. He's, yeah, he's, he's such like, that... He's like that, a racist Morty. He's just that alt-right conservative id, you know, like <laughs> that. And, um... So, yeah, they all assume that she, like, seduced Harlan into yeah, doing Yeah, or this, did something. Or did something to Yeah, her. yeah. So they're all, like... So they're all suspicious of her. Yeah, and they're all following her and screaming at her, except Joni isn't screaming. Joni's trying to be, like, friendly and, like, hey, let's talk about this. And, like, but she's still clearly trying to put the pressure on Marta. Yeah. Um, and so they're all chasing after her. Most of the shots in the movie are very, very smooth. This is the one instance of shaky cam, and it is used to such great effect yeah. that, you know, Marta's coming out, like, and it's it's this 
emotional moment. It's not just about what's happening. It's the emotional moment of this girl suddenly finding out that she has inherited millions of dollars. Yeah. And, and now all these people <laughs> want her dead. Um, and it's like, you don't know how to react when all of them are screaming at you. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. she tries to get in her car. She's trying to drive away. They're all slant. They're all like surrounding the car. Slamming. Trying to start a oh. car, but it won't start. Almost forgot Ransom's entrance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Before, so, that does happen right before. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. So this is important. Um, so I knew we were skipping something. So Ransom comes in for the real, will reading. A uh, couple important things were established. The dogs hate Ransom. He's coming <laughs> up, and he's like... Chris Evans he's got his, is so well-dressed. Yeah. He's so well-dressed. He's got this wonderful fisherman sweater. He's got this drapey scarf and this long coat. And he's like... And the dogs come up. These two beautiful black dogs come up and they're attacking him. Yeah, when he gets out and, of the car. They're like being abrasive. And so, like, yeah, right, yeah. they're like jumping at him and he's like, stop it, stop it. And like his coat is sweater swinging everywhere. It's great. Yeah. So the dogs don't like him. He comes in and... Um, and uh, somebody says something to him about, somebody calls him Hugh and he says, call me Ransom only, or they say Ransom, he says, that's my middle name, the help calls me Hugh. Yeah, but the, he said, so like, that's only because she's a bitch and won't say what I'm supposed to be called. Yeah, Right, like, because like, Hugh, his name is Hugh Ransom, last name, whatever, yeah, yeah. Darcy or whatever. Thromby. No, not Thromby. Thromby. No, because he's, uh, he's Richard's son, so it's uh, Hugh Ransom Drysdale, uh, uh, and he says that he makes, and later somebody says, like, he makes the help call him Hugh, but everybody else calls him Ransom, so the help calls him Hugh, dogs don't like him. Yeah, then, no, no, no. She calls him Hugh because she doesn't give a shit about him. Right. That's that's yeah, yeah. true. Also, but yeah. So, um, and then he comes in and he's just very relaxed. He does not give a shit. He seems amused at everything. Um, he's got an open bag of Biscoff cookies and is just mm. eating cookies at everybody. Yeah. And at the same time, he's like watching like his clearly greedy relatives just waiting. They're for all their losing share. their minds, yeah. and he's just. It's, at a certain point, he... No, because it comes in before it gets read, so he's just kind of like, you know, yeah. I don't care. Well, know? he doesn't care. And even after the will, like, like he's he tells them all, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. He's laughing at Yeah, them. yeah. Um, and then he, when Marta is trying to get her car to start and can't get it to start, Ransom pulls up next to her in his nice car and is like honking, like, get in. And, of course, she's desperate to get away, so she jumps in his car and they drive off together. Yeah, and he says, uh, hey, guys, think about it. This is probably the best thing to happen to your, you know, lives, you know, as he drives off. He says yeah. that to them as he drives so, off, you know. Right, because, oh, and, and during this the... This is probably the best thing to happen to all of you. <laughs> right, so also what I forgot to mention, during that argument right prior to the will reading, Jacob, and this is where they said he was, uh, where Richard makes a comment that he was joylessly masturbating to pictures of dead deer in the bathroom. Oh, um, Richard, uh, or Jacob says that he was in the bathroom um, and overheard Ransom arguing with Harlan and that the only two things he heard were my will and you're making a huge mistake. And so essentially it's clear that Ransom's been disinherited. So mm. Ransom already knows 
at the very least that he's disinherited and as it turns out we know ransom knew everybody was disinherited but ransom knows he's disinherited so he doesn't care he's just there to laugh at everybody (laughs) i thought it was really funny when when jacob says that the wool in the background just kind of throws his arms up like a touchdown (laughs) like ha my son said your son's disinherited (laughs) um so Ransom and and uh, and Marta drive off together, and then they go to the coziest, coziest little restaurant little you diner. ever saw. It's a diner. It's in a green cabin. There's a roaring fire. It's all like dark wood. Oh my god, I want to go to there. And yeah. she is like eating a big plate of beans, and Ransom says to her, "I know that." Um, uh, he says that he knows he was disinherited. And he knows, I can't, he said something like, I know three things. I don't remember what the specific things were. He said, he knows he was disinherited and he knows that Marta throws up when she lies and that he just fed her a huge plate of beans and sausage. And so he puts a bowl in front of her and is like, okay, you're going to tell me everything. Mm. Uh, and And, And there's one point where she has a bit of dialogue where she says like, you know, it's like, okay, even if you don't get, you know, you know, money, like, hey, you know, you're resilient, you'll build up on your own, you know, just like your mom did. And he, like, cuts her off and says, like, no, my mom, you know, built her thing on a million dollar loan that she got from her dad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it's just like, no, like, don't, don't even try to give us props on, like, being some sort of, in, you know, rugged individuals, you know. Right. Like, and he does point, like, he says, you know, I think Harlan didn't want to see... Uh, what happened to his mother happened to him to ransom because Linda's mother or Linda rather is trapped in a loveless marriage because her husband had to sign a prenup and knows that if he leaves her uh, he will lose everything so he's you know too scared to leave her even though he doesn't really love her Mm. Um, and that uh, you know so that that's kind of shitty and you know that is potentially something that can happen if one is very wealthy um but still boohoo um (laughs) so we cut back to the family is all at the house even though technically marta owns the house now and they're all haranguing the lawyer and saying there's got to be some way we can fix this there's got to be some way to get out of this and they're they're saying like you know well what if she put undue pressure on him and the lawyer points out well oh she she influenced him by being a hard worker and being nice. And <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yeah, um, that's not going to hold up in court. Right. <laughs> but then Joni brings up the Slayer Clause, uh, which ends up being a really important plot point. The Slayer Clause is that if somebody kills somebody else, even if they're not convicted in criminal court, even if they're found uh, like O.J. Simpson, uh, if they're found responsible in a civil suit, uh for a death, then they cannot inherit from their victim. Yeah, because it's like, okay, well, you right. did something to lead to their downfall. Yeah. So that is a neat way of introducing the Slayer Clause, is Joni Googles that. Um, and so they start thinking, like, oh, well, uh, I wonder if we can somehow prove that Morgan Yeah, because uh, Frank Oz says you have to have intent to prove that, right? Right. Like, well, uh, no. He's, like, even if it had been an accident, like, that she still... It's not the murderer clause, it's the slayer clause. Yeah, yeah. So even without intent. But they have, they would have to then prove that. They put... And then we cut back to um, Marta and Ransom. Marta has clearly told Ransom everything. There are many beers between them. Yeah. Um, 
And Ransom basically says, okay, so you killed him, but it was an accident. So I'll tell you what, I'll help you get away with it if you cut me in on the inheritance. Yeah. And, and isn't there uh, an issue about like, she had gotten some note saying to meet someone at 10 a.m. Well, that doesn't happen until later. So, so this is just, as far as she knows, like, she knows she switched to the medication by accident. Yeah. Um, yeah, right now she so, feels that she, it's her fault. Yeah. Right, and Ransom says, okay, you did this, but we all know it's an accident. I'll help you get away with it. You inherit. You cut me in on my inheritance. And she says, okay. And then Meg calls her and is being pressured by the family. And this was, like, another little sort of interesting cinematography bit where mm. when we see Meg on the phone, she is framed in this, like femme fatale light where we just see this slat of light yeah, across her eyes. It's like, she, it's one point where she moves up and then you see it happen. Yeah, Right, yeah. and Meg had initially said to her mom, and this is where we see, like, Meg may have her heart in the right place at first, but then she ultimately cares about herself because she... Oh, yeah, she ends up being in cahoots with the family, well, but she just sounds like the sympathetic ear. Because she says to her mom, she says, like, well, I think we should just respect grandfather you know my grandfather's wishes and do what the will says but then her mom's like okay but then you have to drop out of college and Meg's like oh shit so Meg calls Marta and says like you know hey I'm they don't know I'm calling you what are you gonna do and Marta says well don't worry I won't let you drop out of college I'll take care of it um and then Meg hangs up and the whole family and the camera shifts over to the family yeah um so so we see Marta hang up the phone and go, okay, I'm in. And then immediately cuts to her waking up in bed. It's utter chaos. There's news cameras outside. Uh, Marta tries to sneak out the back. Walt has snuck into her apartment building mm-hmm. uh, and puts this pressure on her. And he Oh, says, yeah, because word leaks that she's now a millionaire, right? So right. All these cameras are and coming. Walt basically says, hey, there's... And he, he like makes this failed threat where he says, hey, there's going to be all this scrutiny on you. We know your mother's undocumented and you don't want your mother to get deported because there's all this scrutiny on you for being wealthy now. But if you let us get the money, then we'll take care of you. We'll hire lawyers. Wow. And Marta... S- Sniveling snakes. Right. And Marta very, you know, very cleverly thinking on her feet is like, wait a second. So you're saying if you get all that money, then you can hire the best lawyers to keep my mother from getting deported. Well, if I get all the money, then I can do that. (laughs) And I I remember they had that moment of like, through, oh. Right. (laughs) So she gets back into her apartment. Her, Her family is there. They've got a pile of mail that's mostly from lawyers and then there's the ransom note, which it's yeah, so funny that go. ransom is named ransom, and then there's the ransom. Hey, note. Yeah, I remember anyway, like, hey, <laughs> a little the ran- on the nose. The ransom note has uh, a scan of her medical bag tag and the torn off top of a um, of the toxicology report from Harlan's autopsy, right. which of course she thinks is going to show that he had an overdose of morphine in his system. Right. So it's going to show what looks like maybe foul play. Right. So she calls up Ransom to help her and Ransom says, okay, well, um, the medical examiner's office is going to have this, this report. And so they drive up to the medical examiner's office. It's on fire. It's been completely burnt down. Yeah. 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 Um, detective Elliot's there. Uh, Benoit Blanc pulls up. 
uh, Ransom and Marta pull up from a distance and are looking in the car, but Benoit Blanc sees them, starts walking toward them. They pull and away. He just like zzz, like and pulls off, in, yeah, and it's just like, well, you definitely look guilty now. <laughs> in in Marta's crappy car, and it it is what ensues is what gets referred to as the dumbest car chase of all time. <laughs> um, but it looks pretty good, like, cinematically, it's, it's and, like, and how you because, show little things like, where, like... There's there's cop cars going after them. The cop cars can go fast. Her shitty little car, she's flooring it. She says at one point she's literally flooring it, and the car can't go any faster, but she, like, makes a really fast turn. Yeah, she does little in, ingenious little, right. like, turns in, where it's just like, okay, that would throw someone off. Yeah, she, like, would... pulls into a town, squeezes through alleys, all this stuff. Yeah. Lands in a parking lot, and she and Ransom are sitting there, and they're talking, and she's like, and then, um, and, and oh, yeah, and Ransom at this point has pointed out, he was like, okay, you've got this ransom note and now you got to make sure that toxicology report and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, you're being blackmailed. And he's like... Yeah, and you have to meet this person at He's nudging her the whole way. And then he's like, wait, did you, you know, did you get a text or anything? And she got an email saying, meet me at this location. So um, the cops pull up and they're like, they arrest Ransom because Nana, great Nana, saw him in the window climbing up into the house. Right, because um, as we remember the line was like, you came back again? Right, because that's after Benoit Blanc has talked to Great Nana. So she's told him, they arrest Ransom, and then he get, and then Blanc gets in the car with Marta and says, okay, uh, let's go to the station, I need to question you. And she says, okay, and they're driving, and then she's like, wait, I just need to make a stop, and she gets out at the point where the um, blackmailer said yeah. to meet she goes into this abandoned laundromat and sees a slumped figure in a chair and sees her medical bag on the floor. And it's comes like dark, forward, so she can't see. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then realizes it's Fran who's been given an overdose of morphine. Yeah, and has like a spider crawling on her face. It's, it's so creepy. It's creepy. But it's like that sort of like in a way that could be coincidental like because she could have been sitting there for a while a spider right. could have gotten on her and, face. Like, you know what I mean? It's right. sort of like and, it's like it, like it's creepy, but it could have naturally just happened. Right. Like that's what. And I think that was ma- mainly like to show that she's like not in a good state. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Fran is like dying, and she um, rasps out, "You did this. Yeah, yeah. You won't get away with it." Yeah, just and, looking at her, and it's just that moment where we're like, "What the hell?" So, so Marta has a difficult moment, and then she decides to call nine one one and start doing CPR on Fran, knowing that now. It's like, oh, Fr- does Fran now know? Yeah. Like. Well, knowing that now, okay, she's going to get found out the fact that she caused Harlan to overdose and that she's going to probably lose her medical license and her life is going to yeah. be ruined. But then there's um, the question, is like, wait, why is she, like, sitting there overdosed on, right. like, so, morphine? Yeah. So Marta basically starts, you know, starts doing CPR, calls 911. We cut to the ER uh, they, or the the hospital waiting room, and Marta and Blanc are sitting there, and basically Marta tells Blanc, okay, I'm going to tell you everything. But then he, Blanc is like, well, Ransom already told us, <laughs> right? Because he's like, mm-hmm. every detail that you're about to bring up, yep, even that. Well, like, yeah. yeah, and so they, they go back to the house, um, and Marta... Go, Marta. Um, so Meg is there, and Meg comes up and apologizes to Marta. And Marta's like, It's fine because Marta's clearly like the bigger person. And Meg is like, Wow, I really need to join, I need to get in, in Fran's stash. 
And Marta realizes, wait a second, and she goes and looks in the clock, and there is the toxicology report. Mm. Uh, so Marta goes, looks at the tox... Marta doesn't, like, really look closely at the toxicology report. She goes to talk to the family. The family thinks she's about to say, I'm keeping all the money. Marta is clearly about to confess. Um, and Benoit Blanc rushes in because Marta says something like you've all yes. been so good to me Blanc we see in the background looking at the toxicology report yeah, yeah. and he immediately rushes in and says no 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 you have not all been good to her and then we get the title drop he says you are vultures at the feast knives out beaks bloody and, <laughs> yeah you treated her like shit <laughs> yeah and he he reams them all out and tells Marta and says Marta's taking all the money Marta's gonna inherit and then he pulls her to the side, and then he pulls them all into the living room and, and does his big detective speech. And you get the great, like, scene where it, like, zooms in on him next to the fire, like, you know, as he yeah. turns to me, like, all right, now we're going to reveal what's happening. So, essentially, um... Oh, I, I did just want to bring up real quick, mm -hmm. there's a scene earlier where she, where, where when she goes into the abandoned laundromat and, like, LeBlanc is just sort of sitting in the car. Oh, yeah, he, there's, like, an ambulance <laughs> with the sirens going behind him and he's just bopping along yeah. the music. And he's singing, he's singing Losing My Mind from the musical Follies. <laughs> it's such a weird thing because my mom was in a local production of Follies. Oh, so it was just so like, funny. I knew that yeah, song. Yeah, didn't know what that song was. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. And the way not going left. The way he's just like leaning in is like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, Alright, so basically, uh, so this is where we get the what really happened. Mm -hmm. So what really happened, which okay. Blanc has figured out. Yeah. Okay. And the clue that the clue that seems to have gotten Blanc started is Marta told Marta told Blanc that Ransom told Marta that Harlan told Ransom that Marta was the only person other than Ransom who could beat Harlan at the game Go. Yeah. So, Ransom says, Harlan was talking to me about the will, and he told me you're the only person who could beat him at Go. Why was Harlan talking about Marta when he was telling Ransom about the will? Yeah, and it was something that bothered him. Right, like, and then yeah. he realized Ransom knew everything. Ransom didn't just know he was getting disinherited. He knew everybody was getting disinherited and that Marta was getting the money. So what really happened... The night of the party, Harlan tells Ransom he's cutting everybody out of the will, leaving it all to Marta. Ransom storms off, sneaks back in, switches the morphine with the milder pain, med, um, pain meds, or rather switches the labels on the bottles, and steals the Narcan. His plan is for Marta... His plan is pretty simple to start. His plan is for Marta to accidentally kill Harlan, and then the Slayer Clause, and then that being just obvious that that's what happened. And that would just be like his, and like, then all the, right, And boom. then the Slayer Clause would prevent Marta from inheriting, and the family would get the money. So Harlan and Marta are playing Go. Harlan knocks the Go board over and Marta's bag. Marta picks up the bottle that she can subconsciously tell by feel is the milder non-morphine non med, which... Mm. Um, that, that gets Blanc, revealed in the right, scene. Right, Blanc points that out. He says, you're a good nurse. You've done. You've given this medication hundreds of times. You picked up the bottle without even looking yeah, at it. Yeah, and in the scene, like, right before he reveals that information, right. that he knew that, he goes like, hey, could you pick up, uh, you know, uh, you see the two vials next to each other. He's like, could you pick up uh, the, the right one? And she picks up one and, like, has that moment where she, like, feels the weight of it. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then picks up the other. And it's like it's a it zooms in real quick on that moment where you're just like, wait, she's, why is that important? Right, but then when even, he reveals it, you're like, oh, she subconsciously she, right, knows. She's not even consciously, but she knows which one is which med. Yeah, so which she, viscosity and so weight. So she gives Harlan a hundred milligrams of the correct medication, mm-hmm. but then she looks at the labels and realizes that she gave him 100 milligrams out of the bottle that was labeled morphine. And since she doesn't know that Ransom switched the label, she assumes she gave him 100 milligrams of morphine. She can't find the Narcan. There's no time for an ambulance. He trips her, loud thump. When she goes to call the family, Joni hears, comes upstairs. Harlan talks to her for a minute and seems fine while Marta's facing the wall to hide her tears. Harlan has the idea to save Marta and her family. He tells her to leave, blah, blah, blah. We've, you know, gone over the plan. Um... And then, in the meantime, Harlan slits his throat before what he thinks is the morphine is going to kill him. Although, of course, the tragedy is that it wouldn't have killed him if he had just held off. Yeah, if he had listened to Morta, so like, if oh. he had let Morta call 911, he would have been fine. Because, <sighs> um, like, he's a good dude, and then you're like, oh, yeah. no, he didn't have to die. So, Marta, and he, by the way, Christopher Plummer is just so delightful. Like, yes, he's, such he's a great. Likeable, yeah, yeah. He's such a likable old man. Okay. It's such a time, uh, what, what's the word? It's such a, uh, what's the name of the show? Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, Twilight Zone? Yeah, it's such a Twilight Zone episode where it's like the kindly old man who's raised this family that he just shamed over. So like, now I must teach them a lesson. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Marta sneaks back into the house and the dogs don't make any noise because they like her. But the dogs did make noise when Ransom snuck in. Uh-huh. Because... You know, so when Ransom had snuck in earlier than Marta and the dogs had made noise then because they don't like him, Great Nana saw Ransom climb up the trellis. And then she saw Marta climbing up the trellis and thought she was Ransom. In the morning, Ransom finds out that his grandfather died by suicide by slitting his throat. So he hires Benoit to investigate to make sure that the morphine overdose comes to light. Because she can't be blamed for malpractice if it's just suicide. Right. Then, at the at the diner, when Marta tells him everything and tells him about the switch, he realizes that Harlan didn't OD on morphine and that the tox report would show that it really was nothing but the knife that killed him mm-hmm. and that Marta would be in the clear. So, Ransom convinces Marta to keep the inheritance but to give him his share as a reward for helping her get away with it. <laughs> and he burns down the medical examiner's office to hide evidence that would exonerate Marta. So meanwhile, Fran caught Ransom messing around in the house and tries to blackmail him, so he poisons her and uses her blackmail letter and meeting place to scare Marta even more, but instead, Marta tries to save Fran. Marta thinks that Fran is saying, you did this. That's what's kind of a snotty sort of a narrative flip there. (laughs) They did that in the movie North. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God, don't mention North. (laughs) But But yeah, just the fact of like, yeah, like you did this, and in that moment, it is freaky because they're like whoa was this moment really happening because like why is she saying that you did this like what the hell she's saying Hugh did yeah because the house calls ransom exactly yeah so it's like it feels like a bit of like uh like oh that's a bit of a a snotty writing thing to throw in there but then when you remember that plot point of like she is the one that would call him that like oh they they planted enough seeds yeah 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 back at the house Marta finds the full toxicology report hidden in Fran's stash Blanc reads the report and sees that Harlan didn't overdose and Marta is innocent. Marta, um, so this is while, like, Blanc gives the whole speech and, um, Ransom's brought in and he's like, oh, whatever, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna 
be able to do anything. He can't get me on anything because I didn't kill him, so yeah. Marta gets a call from the hospital and says, oh, she's fine, that's great news. Okay, I'll tell everyone, thank you. Okay, and then, so Ransom is thinking, so Fran's going to tell everybody, but he's like, oh, so what? So I dosed her with some morphine. I'm going to get out of jail in a couple years. Mm. Whatever, who cares? Um, and then... Right after he says all that, and Trooper Wagner has recorded all of it. Yeah, because he was uh, planning to get the original statement anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, immediately, Marta projectile vomit <laughs> all over his face. Because <laughs> she was lying because she had just found out that Fran died. And, and the the audience surrogate character is like, so, "Oh shit, she's lying!" <laughs> right. And so ransom confessing to overdosing Fran means that he has confessed to her murder. Yeah. And then, this was such a great little bit, because it calls back to Harlan taking the knife and saying you can't tell a real knife from a stage prop. Harlan grabs a knife out of the big circle of knives that's been such a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he goes like, in for a penny, in for a pound. And it's like, and fuck he, it. And he jumps on Marta and stabs her. And it's such a big dramatic moment where he's like, like he pushes her down and you see the knife. And the and way like, the trajectory, it looks like it's stabbing for her see, eye. It's so right, creepy looking at first. And knife like go into her chest. And then yeah, he and he's like, like right on top of her he wearing these big out. billowing clothes. Yeah, and, and he pulls it out and it just goes squeak, squeak. squeak. Yeah, he's just like, like, oh. It's a retractable stage knife. <laughs> like, but there's that extended second where it's just like, looks like it's extended in her, but it's just like, but she's not reacting and there's no blood. And then yeah. he just kind of looks like. And and he and he just goes like, oh shit. And he gets pulled <laughs> off and It's such a great moment. Like, um, it, this movie did a great job at like making small moments so big. And yeah. really like sh like making you pay attention to the detail of those small moments, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so he's arrested. Uh, and he's arrested. Marta gets everything. We see the family kind of leaving the house because it's not their house anymore. Yeah. There's a great little moment. Oh, we didn't even mention the baseball and the. We didn't get too much in. So yeah, what, what okay. is the deal with that? Yeah. Okay. So Linda, when she's first being interviewed, says that she had little games she played with her father, uh -huh. and then we see her reading letters that have been clearly written in invisible ink because they're brown and they look like they have some burn smudges. So if you're at all familiar invisible, like classic invisible ink, you write it on invisible and then you heat it up and that makes it turn visible. And she's reading all these invisible ink letters that she exchanged with her father mm. on this particular pink stationery. Um, Richard after his interview, goes to Harlan's desk. Yeah, to look, because he remembers that. In the, right, in the flashback, Harlan was like, I wrote my daughter this letter, and if you don't tell her that you're cheating on her, I will. I wrote her this letter. Richard goes to get the letter out of the desk and sees it on, this pink, it's right. on this pink stationery, and it's blank, and he kind of laughs and puts it back and goes, you know, oh, you bastard, and throws the baseball, this collectible baseball, out the window. Yeah. The dogs later get the baseball and give it to Blanc, and he throws it, and the dogs get to bring it back, give it to Linda. Linda takes the baseball, knows what it is, and goes and puts it back on her father's desk and sees the letter. And, of course, she knows that it's invisible ink, so we see her putting a lighter under it outside and, mm. and reading the letter, and then... You see her face start to change as she reads the letter. She looks over at Richard. The next time we see Richard, he has just been punched in the eye. And I love this. I did not catch this the first two times I saw the movie. 
because it's so subtle, but he's clearly, he's got a fresh bruise on his eye. And I love that, again, just like with Fran kind of fumbling the tray at the beginning instead of dropping it dramatically, in a lesser movie, we would see Linda go out and sock Richard in the right, eye. Right. And instead, we just see her look at him, and the next time we see him, he's got a bruise on his right, eye. Right, yeah, because I remember having that connection, but not, like, having that direct, yeah. like... Yeah, I was like, wait, did what that did happen? And then like having to retroactively yeah, make so that. Yeah, so Harlan, Harlan saves his daughter from getting cheated on in the end, even after the grave. Um, and mm. so the family is all now outside in the driveway. Marta goes up, and she's standing mm. on the balcony, and she's wrapped in, um, and she's wrapped in a blanket, looking very cozy, and she's drinking out of Harlan's coffee cup. And it's such a so what, end, it's power dynamic flip scene where she, they're all sitting like down below on the bottom they're level, all, looking all up in there. Yeah, and she looks like a queen, and she <laughs> takes a sip, and it just and it just says my house. Yeah, my house, my you yeah, know my rules, my, my coffee. <laughs> yeah, but it literally like the way it's framed, it just says my house. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I that's what like you see. That my house, my rules, because there's a moment um, where kind of in the denouement where Blanc is talking to Marta and he says, you won not by playing by Harlan's rules, not by playing his game, but by playing your own way. Yeah. Because he said, you won by being a good nurse. You won by knowing what your medications feel like. You won by saving a woman's life. Yeah, and, and in fact, like, it's that moment where he says, like, uh, where he says, well, I spotted that uh, spot of blood, like, the first time I came here, but I wasn't just gonna, like, you know... I wasn't just gonna go after you so quick because it's like, well, uh, no, but this person doesn't, this person's character doesn't seem right, so there must be more. Like, that's such, like, a good, like, detective instinct sort of, you know, oh, no, I gotta go on my hunch, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so it's sort of like, oh, okay, Detective Blanc, okay. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, he spends a lot of time with her where, it, like, she's assisting him. So it's like, he put a lot of trust in her despite there being that little bit of evidence that he totally saw that he could have taken as just like oh open and shut case johnson but he didn't do that you know because right. it's like he really does like like understand like people's like real emotions and how mm -hmm. that relates to like their characters like okay would this be the person to yeah. really like kill them and, and there's know? some i just blanc has so many great quotable lines and i'm looking forward to the next movie about him knives out oh yeah they said they're having, making two other it's, movies it's be a totally different cast except <laughs> it's still gonna have daniel craig as blanc and um he has so many great lines i love at one point great nana startles him standing in the window and he just goes sweet beans sweet beans yeah <laughs> and he says when he's talking to marta early on he says I anticipate the terminus of, of gravity's rainbow. And then he says he's never read the book, but he just likes the title. Yeah. But he does. He anticipates the terminus of the rainbow. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't chase after the clues and say, okay, she's the one who did it. He goes, um, well, ha let's follow this and see where it lands. Yeah, and that's yeah. what happens. And it ends up being the best outcome yeah. is that the deserving person gets what she deserves and the undeserving people get what they deserve. Yeah, and it's just so funny because it's like, so that means that the story is essentially the tale of a man who just hated his family and committed suicide. <laughs> like, like yeah. that's kind of what ends up happening when well, you like stretch back and look at what's happening. <laughs> I would, I would say he doesn't hate his family. It's like in that moment where he thinks that well, that's I think, something he needs to do. I would say do. it's not. It's not that he. I think he doesn't hate his family. I think he. Um, 
you know, he feels responsible for kind of screwing them up. And yeah, yeah, for trying... sure. And see, that's the thing, which is like, there is a nature of him that feels like it's a good, like, person, right? Because he still, like, cares and wants to see this person do it. But then there's the element of, like, oh my god, like, money like he, and power he... and status. These are things that, on, like inevitably corrupted my family by nature of like you know what i'm saying yeah and like, he does genuinely seem like the disinheriting them is not just a fuck you but like cuz he, he doesn't he ask the question at the beginning just like and they say like he loves ransom and they which is like ransom's the one who really is responsible for his death and that's like the tragedy but yeah like he loves um you know, he loves his family and he's trying to fix them. By yeah, the yeah, yeah. At the beginning, I um, remember him saying, like, am I, like, what am I really doing? How yeah. am, I, am I really helping them and, through what I'm doing? Yeah, like, and yeah. then the, the killing himself, you know, ended up being tragically unnecessary, but it was how yeah. he, he was sacrificing himself to save Marta and to save her family. Mm. So, really excellent movie, like a Swiss clock. Right. And Swiss just clogging down the street. Yeah, and I love how it has that sort of, like, <laughs> element that it didn't need to have, right? About, like, you know, uh, them discussing whether or not immigrants deserve to be here. And that, and that also, like, that's also part of why it's so much better than just a straight Agatha Christie adaptation or even trying to, like, awkwardly modernize an Agatha Christie plot mm. is it's taking that aesthetic but, like, putting it in the now and making it relevant to things that are really important. Yeah. And like I said, like you have that element, right? Of like, here are these rich people who were comfortable in their thing. And they were just assuming they were going to get a, a piece of his American pie just cause that, you know, it's the inheritance, right? So they're going to be well off either way. And then, Okay, and then, like I said, these are the exact same people who, out of their mouth, were saying, oh, well, you have to work your way up to be here, but I'm expecting this money from my father because that's what's supposed to happen when he passes on, yes. Yeah. You know? Like, so I'm going to be taken care of, but you need to work your way up. And then it's like, oh, now it just got passed to her. Well, you don't deserve it. It's like, oh, oh, wait, did she deserve it? uh, Oh, did you deserve it? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's such a great, like... Using film language and all these things to sort of make that sort of like you know uh, that that smart smart alecky sort of like commentary on things in a modern way that I think is really cool. Like so, it like it uses the whodunit style to like say something even further about right. like, like the times. It, a whodunit can just be a very straightforward. Somebody killed somebody. Yeah, and who would have the best motivation? Right, like, and and it really did make it a much more interesting and moving story than if it had simply been uh a straightforward like one of these people slit this man's throat yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. No, great great movie um not gonna recommend it because clearly you've already seen it <laughs> yeah <this>. yeah um <laughs> but, but yeah I, I and again i thought i thought it was interesting just to have that direct parallel of like you know, Marta had the the grandma, you know, from a lineage that's poor, and therefore, you know, the threat of deportation, splitting of the family, right? That can always be there. But like the by nature of one parental figure having wealth and success in this country, like yeah. that could change the trajectory of all of these people's lives. You know yeah. what I'm saying? This cast too is so good. I just I just remember mm. this is like a totally random thing that I just remembered that was so freaking funny to me. Tony Collette's hilarious. And there's this flashback to the night of the party, and Tony Collette is doing this like hippie dance all over the room, and Linda's sitting there talking to somebody on the couch, and Tony Collette like kind of like 
dreamily doing this sort of like faux Stevie Nicks thing, mm. picks up Linda's arm and tries to like pull her off the couch to dance with her, mm. like clearly expecting that Linda's gonna just jump up and start dancing with her and Linda snatches her arm away mm. and Tony Collette just like doesn't even react and just, I mean, like Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic too. They're both fantastic. But yeah, so... So Joni's like trying to pull on Linda's arm to get her to dance and Linda just snatches her arm away without even looking at her mm. and she doesn't react. She just keeps dancing like mm-hmm. it's fine and then to do that. And it was so freaking funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if we don't have anything else to say about this episode, we... <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a good movie, which again, if you're listening to this, you already know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, we're just reveling in yeah. the... the, the uh, but ho- worth a rewind. Yeah, exactly. You're always going to pick up these little details that you didn't notice before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's cozy. It's cozy. Right? You, you enjoy the scenery and the, the accents. And... I remember seeing somebody... Uh, I can't remember who it was. I feel like somebody... T- maybe it was Mara Wilson tweeted mm-hmm. that in the theater where she saw Knives Out, a woman in a, in a uh, seat near her whispered sweater <laughs> uh, yeah everyone sweater. is is well i was gonna say cosby sweatered up but now that 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 uh, yeah. name in and of itself is a bad kind of cut out that i said that was marge being because that she might have been something she said on facebook so just like oh, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, somebody yeah, tweeted yeah. that a woman in the theater near her had whispered sweater at chris evans's sweater. <laughs> there are so yeah. many yeah everyone is I comfy cozy big red scarf on <laughs> oh they're all so cozy i just i wanted to get cold although it is nice and nippy now i remember the last time i came here i it was so fucking hot and I walked out into the night air, and it felt like a sauna. Yeah, we're just hot air. at night, yeah. And I was like, what is this? And now it's, like, nice and nippy. So <laughs> I, I've ordered a vintage corduroy jacket that was, like, a nostalgia move for me because I had a corduroy jacket in high school that I loved, and I was like, I need a corduroy jacket. Mm-hmm. I, I got you on that, like, Corduroy jacket is a cool-ass fabric. I know, and I'm like, please be cool enough to wear it by the time I get mm-hmm. it. And but, that has nothing to do with the movie. That was just my jacket. Oh, yeah. Let, let's wrap this up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this battery's died. All right. All right. So this has been the Review a New Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear all the other exclusive episodes, be sure to check them out on uh, my Patreon at patreon.com slash rapcritic, where you can also get the Rap Critic episodes uh, and, you know, join the Discord and get to talk to fellow fans and vote on episodes. Or you can do become a Kofi, uh, Kofi one-time donation person where you can do one-time donations and you can donate whatever, however much you want, really, but you can, you know, if you donate certain tiers, you can get a movie, album, or uh, song and music video requested for me to review uh so check all that fun sexy stuff uh out and until next time i'm dj and my house my rules my i'm a ruler well i don't like coffee so i i had to take something you know